waters here. Well, welcome to Real Truth, Real Quick Live. My name is Cooper Wagner, and I'm here with Emma Daughter and Todd Wagner. Welcome, guys. I think I love the way this works. Emma Daughter. Yep. Emma, not my daughter. Nope. Cooper, my son. I am his son. That's how it works. So your Instagram, though, words from Wags. Yes. This is Real Truth, Real Quick. Uh-huh. My first word was cracker. Loved Cheez-Its. I want to know y'all's first words. <laughs> that was like the first word you ever said? The first word I ever said was cracker. And then cheese it right after that? Well, I think the Z sound probably took a little longer. But gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I'm like, I call my mom. She's still with us. Let's see if she remember the first word I, I mean, ever spoke. I you have don't no know? idea. Do you really? know what mine was? <laughs> no. You don't know what mine was? No. Dada. Yeah, Maybe. Of course. That or Mama. I'm going to claim mama since you don't remember. I think I'd go with mama. Okay. Good guess. Well, hey, let's jump into uh, why the people are all here and uh, let's answer some questions. So yesterday we told you we're going to answer the question, are we in the end times? Mm. Um, and so I'm going to read Matthew 5, uh, sorry, 24, 5 through 8, which is where we got a question specifically out of this passage. And then can we answer, are we in the end times? Is the coronavirus a sign and other things happening around the world? Is that a sign of the end times? Okay. So, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places, there will be famines and earthquakes, but all these things are merely the beginning of the birth pangs. And so that along with just other scriptures that reference plagues and obviously the things going on in Africa with locusts and famines and... There's always rumors of wars, and so... Well, there's that. Not just rumors, there's actual wars, right? Yeah. Yeah, wars are everywhere, uh, and they've been. So, um, you know, we can... It's so funny. Someone just said, hey, we'd love to try and get through five or six questions, you know, in this this podcast, this program that's about 30 minutes long, and you can answer all these in three seconds, Mm -hmm. right? Most of them, and and, uh, well, yeah, everyone can be yes, no, or what depends on what you mean. And then we can answer all of them in 30 seconds. We can do three and we can go longer. So uh, is this the end times? First of all, whenever somebody asks you a question like that, you want to define terms, right? So what do you mean by end times? Like, are we in the 70th week of Daniel? And some people go, whoa, wait a minute. What is the 70 weeks of Daniel? Because the book of Revelation um, is a a part of the scripture that's unveiling what's going to happen at the end. It's a book every Christian should read because it's a book that... It tells us that if we don't add to this book or take from this book, we'll be blessed because it's going to strengthen our hearts and give us great encouragement. So if you mean by end times, are we in the last seven-year window of human history before the physical return of Jesus Christ? Well, first of all, Jesus says, hey, even himself in the incarnate form that he was in when he walked on earth, it says that wasn't even his to know at that particular moment. What most people talk about, though, when they talk about the second coming, okay, is not that moment. Um, Or let me say it this way. There's a a couple of different ways to understand scripture. What we do need to know is that no man knows ultimately the time. But the Bible does say when you get to the last seven years, there's going to be not just birth pangs, which is famines and earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars that are coming. There's going to be real trouble and um, there's going to be massive amounts of death. So right now, everybody's trying to flatten the curve because we don't want to see a lot of people die. Mm-hmm. The Bible says that at some point, a third of the earth is going to die from famines and plagues. I mean, it's going to happen. And 
Um, and then it says there's going to be like a half of that that's left that's going to die. I mean, there's going to be massive human death that's going to come in the last seven years. What I believe is the most appropriate and best way to interpret scripture is that there is this event where God removes his church. So there, there's, there's, it's called the rapture, which is a word that's not in your Bible. Uh, it's a, a word that's pulled out of uh, the Latin, the LXX, the Latin translation of the scripture. The word rapturo in Latin means to be caught up. And so there seems to be this event that most people, most Bible scholars believe, uh, I wouldn't part fellowship with somebody if they don't, that before Christ comes, the church will go to him. Mm. We'll, like just, we'll just float up in the air like ghosts? Or? <laughs> I don't think we'll float up in the air like ghosts. But um, it says the dead in Christ will rise first. We're studying First Thessalonians as a church right now at Watermark, and we're going to get to this text specifically. Uh, the dead in Christ will rise first, and the rest of us, it says, will be caught up to meet him in the air. And so before Christ comes to earth, the church will be raptured. I think you know some people, uh, they weren't great movies, but maybe it was expounding on great truth, the left behind stuff. Um, captures this scene. And that will be the thing which probably is the restrainer that's going to be removed. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians that the Antichrist has not yet come. For us to know um, who the Antichrist is, the Bible says the restrainer must be removed. And what I think is the number one means through which God is restraining evil on this earth are the people that are doing the work of Jesus Christ, the hands and feet of Christ, the people doing good works that cause our Father in heaven to be glorified. Like in every plague and every famine that's ever happened, the, um, the people that stayed the longest and ministered the most in the midst of sadness was the church. The people that are speaking out against moral evil and corruption and yeah. oppressive governments. So here's a question. Is the church. Is coronavirus a plague? I was looking at a dictionary, super old, early 1800s. Yeah. She was literally this morning reading the dictionary. Not a girl. Yeah. That's right. I mean, Plague, the definition said, an infestation of evil, mm. whereas pandemic was just something that affects a large group of people. Okay. So would you say, hey, coronavirus is a plague? Because I don't, I don't think we use the word plague very often okay, until we this season. Yeah, so, oh my goodness. Uh, Emma, so, so I, let me just, can I do this? I'll just finish that other question. Yeah. Uh, that, and then I want to answer that one because that's a great next question. But just so people aren't frustrated, like are we in the end times? It doesn't look like we're in the last seven years of yeah. human existence because the Bible's very clear that there's going to be three and a half years largely of world peace ruled over by who will be the Antichrist that is going to be revealed after Israel makes a treaty to save itself from impending national doom, which so many people discarded this interpretation of scripture because uh, until 1948, there was almost two millennia of history where there was not a gathering of a nation called Israel. Which I, I mean, I literally found that out this two days ago yeah, when we, we were, were talking about this. And I, I had no idea that Israel yeah. was not a nation since it, 8070. It's why it was a, a, a big, big deal that Israel was reconstituted. Now, I'm just to tell you, uh, Israel reconstituted is not believing Israel. Right now, mm -hmm. there's persecution. They will not welcome back to Aliyah, okay, any Jew who takes the Messiah's name mm. without a great deal of trouble to get readmitted into the nation. All right, so Israel is not yet trusting in the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus. And um, there's going to be a time when that nation sees him for who he is. But it's going to take them trusting, not in technology, not in science, not in their treaties with America. But they're going to make a treaty with, a national, uh, with an international world leader. It'll be the Antichrist, the scripture tells us. Mm -hmm. That is the beginning of the last seven years. Now, here's what I want to tell you. This other event 
okay? We have been in the last times since Jesus ascended to sit at the right hand. Yeah. Okay? We have been in the last days for the last 2,000 years. In other words, there is nothing prophetically that needs to happen. Zero. For God to remove his instrument of provenient grace that's on the earth, um, which is his church, which ministers and shares the gospel. So that tells me, as a church, are you right now doing what Jesus left you here to do? Because there's gonna be a moment when we, when we go to meet Christ in the air, that's gonna begin this seven-year period, three and a half first years, largely with world peace, and then the last three and a half years is where there's not gonna be just rumors of wars and where there's not gonna be just a few plagues. There's going to be a worldwide pandemic that leads in the death of billions of people. Mm -hmm. So much so that we won't hardly be able to bury them. Okay? And, and, and even then, people won't respond to them. So, are we living in the last times? You are living in a moment where there's nothing that needs to happen for Christ to remove his church, and you want to be a part of that. Yeah. Okay? Even if we're wrong that there is no rapture, then I would just tell you that there's a good chance that... Uh, no, we're not living the last seven years yet. I would say, no, we're definitely not living in the last seven years. Yeah. Okay. And one thing that I... And so let's go to the play question. Actually. Okay, go I want to pitch something in here real quick. Yeah. yeah. It's not necessarily a question, but just kind of something I've observed yeah. over time is I think, like you said, that people have always thought we're in the last times since Jesus left and, yeah. and no one knows when it's coming. And so I think just as Christians, we just have to be ready. And scripture tells us that over and over. And I saw a guy I follow on Twitter, Dustin Benj. I'm just going to read his tweet. He said, I'm not looking. Shout out to Just Dustin Benj. Dustin Benj. He said, I'm not looking for the tribulation. I'm not looking for the antichrist, the seals breaking, trumpets blasting, bowls pouring, the beasts, the false prophets, the two witnesses, a one world religion or a one world government. I'm looking for the return of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. And then just coupled with that, the very end of the Bible where it just says, come Lord Jesus. And so I think Christians and especially Americans, we, when things get hard for us, all of a sudden they're like, it's the last times, it's the world's ending. Yeah. And things have been hard for a long time. Like, do you not think that, you know, Bonhoeffer thought that the world was ending when Nazi Germany was taken over or middle Africa when Ebola broke out? Like there's yeah. just thing after thing after thing that we're just ignorant to. And, uh, and my brother-in-law Connor was on a podcast today and I heard him say, I think where I just need to repent is that I don't care about things in the world until it affects me. <laughs> and, uh, and that's just so true of a lot of Americans and I fall into that trap myself. And so just don't want to focus on the wrong things. I want to wait and like have my gaze fixed on Jesus and captivated by that and not by I'm looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for, that's just the wrong things to be focused on. Let me give you just, I'll read three verses. This is from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Now we request to you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, okay? So this is uh, talking about uh, when God gathers the church. This is probably, the, this is the rapture event in, in, in my understanding of scripture. That you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a messenger or a letter as if it's from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. The day of the Lord is not a day, 24 hours. The day of the Lord there is a season where God is pouring out his judgment and his wrath on the earth, Okay. And Emma, this is going to be a great segue to your question yeah. in just a moment. But then verse three says this, let no one in any way deceive you for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. And 
the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. So what's the apostasy? The apostasy is going to be that there's going to be somebody, and Jesus warns about this in Matthew 24, that claims to be the Christ. He's in the wilderness. He's in this inner room. Go see him. Jesus says, even if he does signs and miracles, don't you dare go and believe that I'm there because you'll know I'm coming when the clouds are rolled back like a scroll. You're not going to miss me. So don't believe there's some miracle worker somewhere that you've got to go listen to this, this guy. Signs are coming. We talked about this yesterday in Deuteronomy 13. And if they don't point you to Jesus, it's apostasy. So that's going to happen. The whole world's going to claim they found a Messiah. It's going to be a human instrument. It's going to be the man of lawlessness. And by and large, that first three and a half years are going to go fairly well, especially if you take the mark. Okay? But then after that, all hell's going to break loose because he's going to say, worship me. I'm not just a guy. I'm God. Mm -hmm. And he's going to set himself as the king of Israel, the king of the world, which is who Jesus is. And then it's going to really, really get into trouble. So no, we're not in the last times, but Coop, we are right now at a time when God expects us to be looking to him. So don't look for the day. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Question, is this COVID-19 a plague? Mm -hmm. And you said that the word plague in the dictionary, go ahead and say it again. Okay. In the dictionary, early 1800s, plague meant an infestation of evil, mm. whereas pandemic meant something that uh, affected, didn't say positive or negatively, a large group of people. Hmm. Yeah. So first of all, let's pray that, uh, that the pandemic of the gospel affects everybody. Mm -hmm. This morning on, on our prayer show um, at Watermark TV, we, we specifically said, let's pray that the gospel would be more contagious this time than anything else. And by the way, it's not just toilet paper that sold out. Uh, I saw a, a guy, I know a friend of mine was in uh, Barnes and Noble and he took a picture of the Bible shelf. Wow. It looked like the toilet paper shelf. People okay. are snatching up Bibles, okay? That's because awesome. they're like, what in the world? What in the world? Hey, so this is a tremendous time to have conversations with your friends yeah. about Jesus and about ultimate things. So is COVID-19 a plague? I love it. I'm looking it up right here. I've never, I've done that. You know how I love words. Um, we do know that, but we don't know what your first one was. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but anyway, I'll have to go back and check that out. But uh, it, 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 if it is evil, let me just say this. Certainly, there was never a plague in Eden before men left mm -hmm. God. In heaven, there will be no plague. There will be no sickness. So is this plague evil? Yes, in that all of creation longs for redemption. Is it a specific judgment of God? Every effect of the fall is a expression of the judgment mm -hmm. that we welcomed and invited in. So Christian, here's what I'm gonna say to you, okay? Is, is you live in a world that's fallen and um, not all sin leads to a corollary physical illness. Or let me say that a better way. Not all illness is because of a specific sin that you've committed, all right? But all illness is here because of sin, the fallenness of humankind. Mm -hmm. It's a biblical mistake and an error to go and do and say what the friends of Job said, which is we know why you're suffering because you must have done something because people who love God don't suffer like this. That's crazy. Mm. Okay, it's crazy. It's totally unbiblical. Yeah. You, you, we all suffer because we live on earth. Now, what you don't want to do is add to your suffering by doing things that create in you, um, well, like you reap what you sow, mm -hmm. right? I mean, like if, if I'm an angry and bitter and uh, irreconcilable person, I'm going to be lonely. And all of those things are expressions of sin. And so mm -hmm. Paul says, let that not be your way because God loves you. So 
And the question would be like, how, how bad do I have to be for God to then release something on me? Or how good do I have to be to be saved? And then yeah. you become a yeah, workspace faith. The, the miracle, Coop, is that all of us aren't smitten totally. with something far worse than COVID-19 continually. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But it's a mistake to say that this specific plague is because of some specific sin. Let's just all agree. If God gave humankind what it deserved, COVID-19 would be a joke. It'd be whipped cream in terms of what we really deserve. Yeah. All right? Yeah. So, but it's a fact that we live on an earth where there are expressions of the fallenness of life apart from God that is a, an expression of evil. And the great thing is, and we're seeing it right now, see also why the Bible shelf is empty at Barnes & Noble? God whispers to us in our pleasures, mm. right? He reminds us, hey, there's going to be a place full with pleasures one in my presence is fullness of joy. In my right hand are pleasures forever, mm -hmm. right? So he whispers to us in our pleasures. I mean, listen, guys, I look forward to seeing you. I love being here talking about the Bible with my friends. There's a whisper of, this is what heaven's going to be like. It's going to yeah. be amazing, right? Yeah. yeah. Better than this podcast, for sure. It's going to be great. Well, I mean. Yeah, well, okay. No, yeah, it'll be better. It'll, it'll be, be better. better. But, but, uh, but, but listen, he shouts to us in our pain. Hmm. And right now, God is taking what, the devil meant for evil. He came to steal, kill, and destroy, and plagues kill. So it's evil. And God's shouting to us, do you not like this? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's good. good. That's, really That's good. good. That answered a question that we had that came in, which is, and I just want to address that somebody asked it, is, is this virus... a Sign of judgment. They reference Second Chronicles seven thirteen through fifteen, and you just answered that. So we're not going to we're not going to go back. Good, but yeah. I just want to so, say we acknowledge that question. We yeah. answered it. So there have been times where the Bible specifically tells us, and this is what I would just say to you: a good a good answer to that question is make sure if you're going to say this is because of that that you know what you're talking about. So the friends of Job, okay, said, "Hey, we know why you're suffering. This mm -hmm. suffering is because of something you did. We haven't figured out what it is yet, but man, am I know that you're jacked up, Coop. I know you've done something." Something. Right? And so uh, don't ever do that. Now, there were times in history that God gave revelation and said, mm -hmm. this is why this is going down. We know the one in First Chronicles 21 is because David didn't acknowledge the sovereign protection of the Lord when he took a census. And that's why the plague came. Okay, because he's saying all y'all going to die and be under judgment yeah. if you don't acknowledge that I'm the one who protects you from judgment. And so he was reminding David who the sovereign good king was. Woe to the man who says, thus saith the Lord, when he's just trying to elevate his own influence over people. You want to hear the Bible speak? I mean, you want to hear God speak? Read, Read it your out Bible loud. out loud. That's not John Piper. That was Martin Luther who said that. And I guarantee you somebody said it before Martin Luther. That's good. That's good. Um, okay, well, on the topic of Martin Luther, we had a couple questions just come in um, around uh, just the, all things kind of happening in the Catholic world right now. And so one, one person said they were watching your sermon this weekend mm. and they had a question about, uh, they were watching it with one of their Catholic friends. Good. And uh, that she had always thought her and her friend aligned perfectly on kind of all they believed. Mm. And so through watching your sermon, I think there was something that came up where her friend started to disagree maybe with something that she agreed with. And so she asked this question, my Catholic friend showed me John 20, 23. And now I'm wondering if priests and pastors are the only ones who are able to forgive sins. What are the different interpretations given on that verse? All right. Well, the best thing to do is to go to John and let's look at it together. I think um, this actually came to an email uh, after uh, the message, as you said. And so we dumped into the real truth, real quick questions. And, and it probably came because I made reference on Sunday to the fact that the Pope this last week said that because of the virus, we're not going to require, or you don't need to, if you're a good Catholic, go and confess your sins to a priest. 
And I made the a mention that just like you know this this virus has made us all homeschoolers now, uh, the virus made us all reformers now, <laughs> right? Because uh, that's really what um, we were making a case for for the last almost 500 years. That you could go directly to God. Yeah. And you don't right? have to go through a priest, a pastor. Jesus is our high priest. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. We can come boldly before the throne of grace. Mm. Now, James chapter 5, verse 16 says, confess your sins to one another. So the idea of confessing to a priestly person is wise. It's biblical. Mm-hmm. But we are a kingdom of priests. A royal priesthood. This, this, uh, this laity... Um, clergy distinction is completely unbiblical. What's not unbiblical is spiritual maturity and spiritual mm-hmm. immaturity. So when you confess your sins, confess it to somebody who is, um, knows God's word and who is going to be able to pastor you. Mm-hmm. Okay? There's actually a real truth real quick on do you need to have elders pray for you when you're sick that I would really encourage you guys to go listen to it because that handles the James 5 passage specifically where it says if you're sick, go and ask the elders to pray for you and anoint you with oil. Mm-hmm. So if you got COVID, do you need to have the elders um, you know, pray for you right now and anoint you with oil? Please listen to that Real Truth Real Quick. RealTruthRealQuick.com, or there's an app. Which you, you, you also answered that last night. You answered that yesterday morning. Okay, and I think John also addressed it a little bit this morning too. Excellent. So check that out. That's a, a good nine-minute answer for you right there. But right here. John 10, sorry, 2023. It says this. So start in verse 21 because context matters. Context matters. So Jesus has been resurrected. He has returned. He is appearing to his disciples and about, we know about 500 other people, um, uh, uh, roughly. And so in verse 21 of John 20, it says, Jesus then said to his apostles, disciples specifically, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. So let me just read that verse and ask you guys a question. Okay. Do you think that the only people sent forth are those 12 disciples, actually 11 at the time. In other words, uh, is the command that Jesus gives to all his followers in nations, in, in, in time future, that were sent into all the earth? Yes or no? Is it specific to those 11 or is it applicable to all of us? Yeah, I mean, in other yeah. words, there's an application of these 11, but it's also something that's given to all of us. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Right? We're all yeah. sent forth. Yeah. Okay. We're in verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive thy Holy Spirit. Now, man, really interesting text right there. Okay, what Jesus is doing in this text, he's not giving them, this is not Pentecost, right? Because Pentecost, Acts 2, happened after Jesus was ascended and sat at the right hand of God. So what happens here, though, is that the disciples are still trying to figure out, okay, is this real? You know, I mean, you know, if I could touch you, if, if we weren't socially distancing, to be wise. Six feet. I don't know if y'all noticed the new tables. <laughs> We're here, baby. Six feet. It's that day. It's uh, a triangle. And, and so um, what, what Jesus is just saying, I'm alive. Look, just like I said, I'm raised from the dead, right? The confidence that the apostles and disciples had when Jesus was alive was that God is with me. And he was now gone. And what he's saying is, hey, man, listen, the strengthening that I've brought you as your Lord and King and Savior is still here, baby. I'm back. Right, And so he was breathing life and the spirit of, of restoration into them. But he still said a little bit later, it's interesting, later than this, he says, go and wait for the helper. Go and mm-hmm. wait for the Holy Spirit. So this isn't Pentecost. But what he's telling him right now is, hey man, here's the truth of God. I am here, the breath of God, the word of God is present with you. Now watch this. He says to them, if you forgive the sins of any, their, uh, their sins, having been forgiven them, if you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Mm. What this gal 
who was her friend who was Catholic, had been told is that this is a verse that talks about why through what's called apostolic succession. Mm -hmm. Peter laid his hands on somebody who laid mm -hmm. his hands on somebody who became the Pope, who laid, lays his hand on the, on the card, card, cardinalry, if you will, the bishopry, who lays their hands on priests, and they're the means through which up through the Pope you can be forgiven. That's not at all what Jesus is saying. So yeah. to my dear friend, first of all, I love that we are in fellowship and we're sharpening one another. What this is right here, a good cross-reference for this, is to go back and look at Matthew chapter 16 in verse 19 and in Matthew 18 in verse 18. Let's just go to the Matthew passage specifically. And by the way, just because we're going to be you know, trying to move as quickly as we can, there's a real truth real quick on the keys of the kingdom and on Matthew 18. What did Jesus mean when he said, I give you the keys Matthew of the kingdom? Matthew 16, right? Or is that Matthew 18? It's actually, I think the real truth real quick was referenced to the Matthew 18 passage. Okay. Okay. So uh, if you'll go back and look at keys of the kingdom, uh, you'll see a, a longer developed answer to this. But in Matthew 18, what Jesus says is this, is this says the same thing. Truly I say to you, whoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. All right. And actually, you know where it is, Coop? It's actually in the one is, do you have to have two or three or more to be gathered in your name? Gotcha. Because that's the next verse in Matthew 18. I say to you, if two or you agree on earth about anything, it shall be done for them by my fathers in heaven, which basically means this. The church, Jesus was going to equip them with the Holy Spirit, which we now have the word of God that the Holy Spirit brought to those apostles that we can look at and go, what did Jesus give to the church to know this is of God and this is not of God? So, he didn't give to a certain group of people the ability to admit people into heaven. He gave mm -hmm. to the church the ability to reveal the mind of God about what the standard of righteousness is. And we know that what he gave to the church was the standard of righteousness was not practicing the sacraments. It was understanding that Jesus was the sacrifice. Sure. Mm -hmm. So would... Would another cross-reference... I mean, Great Commission, teaching yeah. them to observe all that I've commanded you... If that them teaching the disciples you've made, would that be a verse that might help us understand this? Well, well, certainly, that certainly is a verse that talks about how we're all given the priestly commission, right? Mm -hmm. but, but what I would say is that it is the job of the church to tell people that's of God, that's not of God. And we shouldn't just do it in some random bit of isolation. Sure. Uh, in, in Ephesians 2, it says that, the church is built on the foundation of Christ and the apostles. So to my Catholic friend, I would just say, these 11 individuals that started the church, we should look at their teaching and mm -hmm. the teaching of their disciples, the early church fathers, and the understanding of church throughout history, okay? But tradition is not the same as revelation. Revelation is our authority. Yeah. And there's no man on earth who has the ability to forgive sins. Mm. There's just the God man. And so this idea that because of a, a misunderstanding of apostolic succession, that you've got to go to a priest to get your sins forgiven, it, it's, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. What I would tell you is if you want to be healed, 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, mm -hmm. God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And if you want to experience the healing, the relief of guilt, the lifting of your head, which is what a lot of people get when they go talk to a, a priest. Mm -hmm. Jesus doesn't want to have you do that anonymously. He just says, go to spiritual leaders. Yeah. He uses the word elders. Yeah. Okay, And I would just say elders are not just people in the office. It's any spiritually mature person. And it says, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. And then it says a little bit later, the effective prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So righteous men 
will be bring you the Healy bombing of restoration. This is not a verse that in any way perpetuates Catholicism. And what I would say is be gracious with our Catholic friends, encourage them if they want to confess sins, and remind them that Jesus is our high priest mm-hmm. and uh, that we are a kingdom of priests mm-hmm. and let's pursue more of Christ's likeness together. So in, in Matthew 16, kind of, I think to summarize yeah. it, and, and I, I think what it's saying here is that when Jesus gave, like you said, you did a real truth real quick about this, but Jesus gave Peter the keys to the kingdom and he, with that, gave it to all believers. And so then you go look at Matthew 18, where he tells the church, how should we, how do we know if someone is, called a child of God and, and mm-hmm. through the church discipline process, you can say, Hey, you aren't responding to and repenting of sin. Like we know you should. And so that's, I, that's what I read in a few commentaries uh, to understand John twenty twenty three is you can tell someone, Hey, you're not doing the things that God has given us the principles of heaven applied on earth. The church has walked you through this process. And, and as the early church, the disciples were saying uh, that, you are not forgiven of sin because you're not repenting of sin. Is that's how I understood John twenty twenty three? Would you would you say or how would you push back on that? If because I don't know if someone else like me is going to Google that and see that explanation. Yeah, uh, so, I, was, I was trying to follow you hard there. But yeah, you're saying that the explanation you heard. So was so, so I'll summarize it. John, so Jesus gave uh, Peter the keys to the kingdom. Yeah, and with that they gave it, he gave it to all believers. It was a symbolic. Hey, now I'm passing this on to you. And then he says, okay, the the principles of what a believer should do is you have, you have heavenly principles that are applied to worldly contexts. So like when I'm I'm referencing Matthew 18, where it says, if somebody sins, go to your brother. And then you walk him through this process where then the church says, okay, you're no longer a believer. And that's cross-referenced with 2023. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, good. Coop. So just to collapse that, what, what basically you're saying a right application of this is if the express church of Jesus Christ on earth today, which isn't the Roman church, it's the church, the true church of Jesus Christ. What we do is we come together and we, we call the Matthew 18 process, the Matthew 18, 15, 16, 17, which so interestingly comes right before the cross-reference is we go to a brother if he's in sin with a spirit of gentleness, Galatians 6 says, and we try and restore them. Mm-hmm. And if they won't, we widen it. And then eventually where there's two or three or eventually the church, we just say, hey, you're embracing that lifestyle and that choice is a rebellion against God. Mm-hmm. And it seems to suggest that the spirit of God is not in you. So we love you. Whether you're going to heaven or not is God's to decide. Yeah. But mine to share with you is the church says that's outside of the scope of orthodoxy, obedience, and Christ-likeness. And that ought to concern you. So yes, that's what the church should do. Yeah, great. All right, we got to start wrapping up. Tomorrow, what are we talking about? We are going to answer the question. Uh, I don't know if you've been following the news at all, but there have been uh, charismatic churches that have opened healing rooms that have um, just done, you know, if you watch Kenneth Copeland or other people, other TV kind of uh, evangelists who will say they can heal you, through different things. And so we're going to ask, why are all of those different ministries shutting down in the midst of this coronavirus? <laughs> or why aren't they going to hospitals? Why aren't they healing? Yeah, obvious- where are the healing ministries and are they biblical? That's the question we're going to answer starting tomorrow, 12 o'clock tomorrow. That's it. Thanks for joining us. And you guys have a great week of worship. Yeah, great day now. Great, great day yeah, of worship. We'll see you guys. Thank you.